Welcome to Cage Stage, a podcast devoted to the constant conversation of seeing how Christian doctrine plays out in real life. I'm Brian, and I'm here with my co-host, Becky, and we're here to see if we can work our way out of the cage. That music really does pump you up. It does. It gets me real excited to just start talking about something a little bit angsty. So I'm going to tell you, I got into this conversation the other day with a person, and they had... um, they were telling me about this church that they'd been to where the worship was really cold and stale. Was this our church? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they said that there was a coldness to it, that the worship was lifeless. In fact, the worship was so bland, she did not feel moved. And because she didn't feel moved, she felt like we weren't really worshiping God. And this comment from this person um, made me really, I'd start thinking, like I really went into what that is about. What is she trying to vocalize here? What are you telling me about worship by saying, especially in our church, what are you saying about our church um, when you say God, the spirit isn't moving in our church, that God isn't being worshiped? when you come in and the music is cold and stale and lifeless. I'm like, ouch, (laughs) that's really powerful, strong words. So, um, not particularly surprising though. No, because I would tell you, I used to gauge, maybe not as much as this person. I don't know who this person is, but I used to gauge how successful worship was or how worshipful you were based on how you were feeling. Right. So if you were feeling really, really emotional and really like you were in the mood to worship and the lighting was just right, then it was like, okay, the spirit is working better. He's working more in this situation. Then if I go to a church where the, the singer is bad and you know people are clapping off key or something, it doesn't feel very worshipful because you're all caught up in the imperfections of the performers. Yeah. So I was thinking about this, and I was like, okay, we ha- I need to get into what this is all about. I also felt the same way at one time. And sometimes, you know, to be honest, I'm like, uh, you know, I wish there was a little bit more oomph, but whatever, you know. But I had to I – ha- I started thinking about, like, okay, what is it that people are looking for when they want the worship – to move them, to, to feel like something is happening when we're there. And I got started thinking about how we all are looking for an experience that makes us feel something different than what we're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like the human condition. I want kind of out of this place, you know, this muck or mire or whatever it is I'm feeling. I want something to carry me away, right? And so... I was thinking about this, and we all kind of get there at some point, and maybe not necessarily with only worship. We do it with entertainment, and we do it with maybe some with drugs or some with alcohol. And I was like, wait, that's not very much different than this escapism we're trying to accomplish. We've just put a nice little pretty Holy Spirit across the top of this. But really what we're looking for is an experience that we can control, we're seeking 
another mediator, right? We're seeking something outside of ourselves that will get us closer to God that isn't God, right? And so I was thinking it's something other than Christ because it's the music or it's the feeling or it's the ambiance or or whatever, and that's just pagan. That's pagan, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a really cool observation. Um, I would I would tell you when people come to me with those kind of comments about this did, this just didn't feel worshipful enough. I wasn't like in a wasn't raptured away by the music in right. another place. I think back to I went to a um, full confession. <laughs> I've been to a Styx uh, concert. Okay. It's weird because I'm only in my twenties. Right. And uh, I went to a, it was the best concert I've ever been to in my whole life. It was amazing. They put on like a great show, a bunch of old, probably, they're probably in their seventies now. And uh, full confession. I don't know who you're talking about. You don't know who Sticks is? No. (laughs) I don't don't know who That's fair though, because we're both too young for Sticks. Okay. Fair enough. They're seventies rock band. Okay. Um, Like Queen, Sticks. Got it. Same era. Got it. Same era. So it was a little bit weird. I think I was the youngest person at that concert. Sure. But uh, but you get those all those good feelings mm-hmm. while you're there. Mm-hmm. You get really caught up in the music. It's you know you hear the drum beat loud, and it's you're completely in a different world. You're not thinking about what you did for work or anything else. Right. So what's interesting about what you said is that experience that I had at the concert had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit working or with receiving the word or anything else. And yet I had all those same feelings that people are looking for mm-hmm. at a worship service mm-hmm. at a church. So something seems a little bit off. Right. And I, the only thing I could think of is, is this whole idea of a mediator. We're looking for something to be in between us and God, that's bringing, in our minds, bringing us closer to God. But what it is, is an emotional experience that is then now becoming our barometer as to how, how much the Spirit is working in our lives or not working, or working in a church or not working in a church. And so we, our emotional experience, which is completely subjective, now becomes this dial of, you know, spirit moving, spirit not moving, Mm -hmm. which then leads you down into this idea that you can control the spirit, that your, that your emotive place in time is what is causing the spirit to work or not to work. Yeah. Uh, It's like if I play the guitar really, really well, and I have a great lead guitar solo in the middle of the worship service. Somehow that is helping the spirit to work in the lives of the people around me. Right. Right. As if there were any limitation. If my my skill were any limitation on the spirit, it's not. But the other problem is you go down a really slippery slope because there are all kinds of places, all kinds of churches with really bad doctrine, like objectively that even... Even someone uninformed would be like, okay, I realize this is a bad church. I probably shouldn't be here. Or if you go to a Jehovah's Witness church, something that's a completely different religion, you could have that same experience there that you're looking for where you feel really moved, you feel like the Spirit's working, but then come to find out later, well, this is a church where they teach the doctrines of demons, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. they're not teaching Christ. They're not, they don't believe that in the divinity of Christ. So in other words, you could have that experience, which is why I gave the example of the rock concert. 
it's perfectly possible to have that experience without there being anything particularly Christian about it whatsoever. So, I mean, so where I'm going, I'm thinking in my head, like, is it wrong then to have the experience or to look for the experience? Is, is, does that then necessitate, necessitate that you have to have a cold, lifeless <laughs> worship like was described of our church, which I would disagree by the way, but, um, but someone coming in, you know, from something that's really loud and very involved and lots of, you know, stimulus coming might think along those lines. Um, so does it mean that if you are moved when you're singing in worship that you are, that that's a false feeling? Does that necessarily mean that's true? I don't think it necessarily means that's true. I think it can be a false feeling. Like your feelings can be aroused for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Just because the drummer is a really good drummer. And so you feel really good about that. But it's also true. And some of this I think is personality. Because I am, my family's from, immigrated from Northern Europe. And we're all very bland where they eat potatoes. (laughs) And we're just... It's like there's no spices sure. on our food. Right. And we're just kind of boring people. Okay. But that's fine. It's uh-huh. not a big deal. So if you go to a church filled with a bunch of people that are boring Northern Europeans, chances are the music is going to be a reflection of that. Mm-hmm. And the emotion that we express, while we may have it internally, we may have a, an emotional reaction to the doctrines of grace or to the sermon or something. It may not be expressed the same way. So I think some of this has to do with personality and culture. If you go down to, if you were to go down to Mexico, or I went to the Dominican Republic on a little short-term mission trip, and the music and the culture of a worship service is very different. It's very much, it's much more lively. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine because that's the way that their culture is. Hmm. That's part of the way that they express that. So I think, and we can talk about limitations on a worship service, like what is actually yeah. objectively bad. Yeah. But I think if we're just talking about, well, there should be worship, there should be song. Um, that song can be expressed in different ways in different places. And so it's not necessarily wrong if it's a little bit more upbeat. So I'm more thinking along the lines of these folks that must have an emotional experience or they didn't go to church today. Or your church didn't like worship the Lord appropriately today. There's this like must have or I can't affirm what has just taken place. That's the that's the thing I'm going after. That attitude of that this I don't even know how to say it. It's like this attitude of a necessity that then turns you off to all the other pieces of a worship service because this piece didn't fit. Mm -hmm. And so like you'll see churches that really have strong emphases on their musical ministry, the music ministry, they downplay the other things Mm -hmm. you might not always, I hate to like, you know, put everyone, but a lot of times you see a church that has this great band they don't pray a ton in their service. Or, or their sermons are terrible. Or their sermons are 15, 20 minutes, and they're leaning all on the worship to carry the 
(laughs) the weight of what's going on or they leave out communion for three months at a time or whatever. And so there, it, this idea that worship must be this thing just leads this, leads you into this slip, um, this misappropriation of priorities on other pieces of the service. And so I think it brings us to this conversation where like, is worship, what is worship then? Do I believe worship is just the music or do I believe that there's an entire entirety of, of, um, system that goes liturgy that goes into Mm -hmm. what worship should be? Yeah. I would say it's, it's just flat out wrong to mistake your feelings for the work of the Spirit or to associate, like you said, my feelings as a barometer that gauges how good the worship was. Yeah. I think that's completely wrong, completely off. Um, because the primary thing about church is not to influence how you feel. Mm-hmm. It's just a mistake to think that. Y- you might feel better coming out of a church service, but you might not. You might have had a terrible week. There's that... Um, famous sermon by Alistair Begg, I think, where he says, don't ask me how I feel. Did you ever hear that one? <laughs> I, I might have heard this um, quote, though. I feel goes, it feels familiar. He goes to a church and the, the, they have a really good band and the song leader comes up and he says, how do you all feel? Oh. And he internally is thinking, like, why on earth are you asking me that? I feel terrible. I had a really tough week. I argued with my wife. My kids were really bad. I feel like crap. I didn't come here for you to ask me how I feel. I came here to be told the truth about myself, right, and who I am in Christ, because Mm -hmm. that is genuinely encouraging. Right. So I want to go back, because I really want to hash this out, the mediator part, the mediator piece, because I think that's where I really... And someone might come along and go, I disagree. Maybe it will be you, Brian. But I really think like that is where it falls apart because we're looking for something else to wash away the muck and the mire, right? We're, tr- we're looking for an experience that makes us feel good about what just happened. And so, I, and who's the only, the only person that can do that is Christ, right? The only way we have we are lifted out of our station is in our union with Christ. And so, I mean, maybe there's more to it than that, but I'm trying to get down to this like base, this base kind of understanding. And I just was thinking like Christ is not in loud music or emotional manipulation, electric guitars, electric guitars, smoke machines. (laughs) Like he's not in worship painting He's not in worship drama. You know, he's in he's in the word preached, in the sacraments rightly ordered and on display, in prayer, and by the securing hand of the Holy Spirit that is promised to, to us in Christ that joins us to him so that we can be sons of God. And so I, that's kind of the piece that I'm like, is that really where those comments come from? You're Without even knowing it, you're looking for something tangible that you can grasp onto to make this feel real. I think we, we can turn all kinds of things into idols. There's a lot of people moving from Protestant churches to um, Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox right now. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is due to 
the fact that there's some historical grounding in those traditions. But another reason is that I heard people would go to Eastern Orthodox churches because, so like people in inner cities are moving to Eastern Orthodox churches. And I think it's because they have a terrible, terrible week and everything is ugly. Their lives are ugly. They have small houses. And then they go to this big, huge cathedral that's beautiful, has all these paintings. Um, and this is an escape for them. This mm. building is a place, a holy place. It looks holy, right? Mm-hmm. And so they go there, and for a little while, it's like their cares are gone, and then they get back to the regular life. So it's a way for them to recharge. Now, church can be that way in a, in a good sense, mm-hmm. and I'm not knocking on Eastern Orthodox, that's just an example, but church can be that way, like an embassy, where you live in this world, and then you go to church, and you hear from you know, your general, from your sovereign, from the Lord. But if it's the building that you're looking to, if it's the music that you're looking to, if it's that the form or the aesthetic that you're looking for, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's what you're putting your trust in, you're turning that into an idol, then that's a huge problem. Yeah. And I think that can happen. It's a mistake for us to think that we will never fall into those kind of errors. Like our right. hearts are little idol-making factories. Right. And so the music can become that idol, or the feeling that you're chasing can, can become that idol, rather than saying... Let's just throw all of that out the window. Let's throw my conversion experience out the window. Right. Let's throw my mountaintop Christian camp experience out the window and say, none of that really means anything. What means something is Christ and his death for me. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So we're, so then let's talk about, I think, what is it supposed to be then? Like if we just got through kind of like ripping worship to shreds, right? <laughs> <laughs> We called everyone a pagan. <laughs> you called him a pagan. I called him a pagan. Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to back off of that. No, you. You might <laughs> have something. Want to? You might have something. But there. I. So what is it? You know. Okay, fine. So we just tore that to shreds. But what is it? Yeah. What's worship? I think. Um, well, there's there's two things you could say. One is, well, everything's like everything is worship. Anytime, like whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God mm-hmm. or offer your bodies as a spiritual sacrifice. This is your, as a living sacrifice, this is your spiritual worship, mm-hmm. right? Romans 12, 1. Yeah. So there Paul's saying, well, look, you as a human being, you're designed to love God and enjoy him forever. And part of loving him means keeping his commandments. And so whatever you do, if you're loving the Lord, and enjoying him and loving your neighbor, you're worshiping God. So there's a sense in which thinking about worship as music is way too narrow Mm -hmm. because everything you do is worship. But it's also true that there's a specific kind of worship that happens in a church service. Right. Which is probably what you're after. That's what I'm after. Sorry, we can just edit out my other comments. No, I don't care. It's fine. It works out. Um, but I mean, yeah, so because we're talking about Sunday, right? And we're talking about um, what if if the service on Sunday when we gather together is not just about the music or the, you know, I don't I can I keep on saying emotional experience, but that I mean, I just remember sitting in service myself in other churches like w- couldn't wait to sing some more. You know, mm-hmm. like, let's get past all this. Mm-hmm. I just want to sing. I want to listen to that, whatever. And so so if that's not what it's supposed to be, 
if that's not right and we're saying that's pagan, which I still think it is, I'm going to say it a lot of times, then what is it? And so, you know, I think I got into this conversation with another group of folks and it wasn't about worship per se, but I think it, it bears it bears discussing there's a lot of things that we have to understand about what church is, what worship is on a Sunday, what God is doing there. And we've talked about it on this podcast before, but I think like we have to understand what God is doing on a Sunday morning in his body in order to rightly order the way the service goes. And in this conversation I was having just a week ago, um, we were actually talking about communion, but the thing is, if you don't understand what the church body is supposed to do on Sunday morning, then you then you easily get what communion is supposed to be wrong, too. Mm-hmm. And similarly, I think if you don't understand what's supposed to be happening on a Sunday morning in the body, then you get worship wrong, too. And I mean worship maybe in the entire sense the of the word. Service. And so, and I will say this again because it is one of my favorite things about about what God is doing for his people is calling them to himself on Sunday. Like that is just the like, the thought that God is bringing the elect to himself in a special way to give himself to his people, to sustain them, to give them the bread of life for the week is like, it's so majestic. It's it's beautiful to think that God is we think it as of it as you gotta go to church, you know, like everybody get in the car, we gotta go and do this thing, and we're gonna worship and we're gonna make it be like we really mean it, even though I spanked all the kids on the way, you know, like whatever. But no, it's like, no, God is gathering us to himself and he's administering. And it's much more than just the preaching of the word. It is the Holy Spirit using the words that the preacher speaks straight from scripture as rightly as it is to administer to our hearts. It's the singing together to be encouraged in the body by one another in their confession of faith. It's to share in the, at the table Mm-hmm. in the promises of God in communion and to see the redemption of the old man and the new in baptism and then to be blessed by God as we walk out the door. Mm-hmm. Different. Yeah, it's different. very different. <laughs> you know? And so, like, what what are we doing when we just say, I, I just, I kind of didn't have a real great experience <laughs> with my singing today. Our liturgy, mm-hmm. our service, is ordered around the gospel. Right. So you have a call to worship, you have a confession of sin, you have a proclamation of the gospel, um, and there's song in there, and there's readings in there, a reading of the law, a reading of the gospel, and then there's a sermon, and at the end you have the benediction, right, the blessing from God. So that whole, that whole liturgy follows the gospel story, right? right? Follows, if you will, creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. Mm-hmm. That's what it follows. Which, when you think about it that way, is really beautiful. Yeah. And is really formative, because even if the sermon was not so great that day, not so hot, or the music wasn't so hot, um, that whole service was designed to point you to Christ and designed 
basically by God for you to receive his grace, if yeah. you will. Mm-hmm. I remember when we first started going to our church and the amount of words in our songs made my mouth tired <laughs> to sing. I was like, oh my goodness, these are there's a lot of words coming real fast. Um, and you get used to it, you know, you build up your stamina for that kind of stuff. But at the same time, um, you know, just for me recently, waking up in the middle of the night with, you know, things that are on my mind and worries, and then I bring up, you know, great is thy faithfulness or whatever. And it's like, if I didn't have those hymns in my brain, um, they're kind of like, besides scripture, they're the only things that kind of silence the other voices, you know, the other things that are competing for my attention, especially. And so I just think like, yeah, um, those words that we sing, we want them to be full of truth that, um, that we can take with us into hard situations. Yeah. And we don't want it to become a performance right? because the, the goal of this is not to see how good that drummer can play or how, and also another full confession. The whole reason I became a member <laughs> at Sovereign Grace was so that I could play the guitar on Sundays. And really? I really, I think I've only played like once. It's like, have I ever seen you up there? <laughs> so, full but I really thought like, oh, I'm going to bring some really good You're gonna skill bring it. to this. Right. I'm going to help this worship service be so much cooler <laughs> and play some lead guitar and For fill sure. in those gaps. But it's not about the performance. Right. It's about, like, can you hear the words so that you can memorize those words and hold on to them? And can you sing those words to your neighbor? There's nothing sweeter to me than hearing our church sing the doxology Mm. and hearing the voices and expecting that person to, like, hear the harmony from that section, you know, to hear the children there is something so beautiful and sweet about hearing the people that you go to church with sing. It's more than it's it. God is working in that. And, and I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know, but he is, you know, I, I think he really uses song to bind our hearts in a common Mm-hmm. confession. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember going to churches where the music was so loud. And at the time I loved it. I mean, I love, I love singing in worship, but, um, but you didn't hear anyone else. And, and that's really actually very isolating. Yep. It, it becomes all you're with it. It's just you and your head, you and your like, you know, space bubble of where your voice can just travel to. And, and then the rest is just this overpowering music. And, um, and so our, you know, in our church, we've decided that the music will be pretty low in order for the congregation to hear each other. And I think it, that unnerves some people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in reality, again, like you said, being able to hear each other worship is really like just the sweetest thing. Yeah. Beautiful. And that doxology, there's no instruments. It's just acapella. Everyone sings. And that's the best part of the singing, yeah. right? That's the best moment. Yeah. It's neat. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot more to go. There's a lot of things. There's a lot more to go here. Um, 
Do you want to talk about the regulative principle? Well, that's what I had written down, but I, I think, yeah, I mean, let's talk about, does God prescribe what worship should look like or what should be included and not included? I think we can just make it up. Okay. Do whatever we want. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> We're going to make up our own regulative principle. We're going to make up our own rules for everything. <laughs> no, there's, um, in, the, in the Ten Commandments, which now I'm going to go blank probably, but right. one of them is, um, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. Right. You shall make no images and not bow down to them. And so you're, you're getting in the first commandment, here's the object of your worship, the proper object, Yahweh, mm-hmm. not the other pagan gods. Um, and then here's how you worship me. It's When he says you shall not make any graven image, it's not a graven image of some other god. It's don't make an image of me. So what God is telling you is, here's how you were supposed to worship me. So in other words, there is a proper way to worship God. There's a way that God has demanded he be worshipped. Another example of that would be when Aaron's sons bring strange right. fire That's before the, the Lord. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, so they, right. they're like, hey, this seems like a really good idea. We're going to put this concoction of stuff together, and we're going to have a fire show and fireworks. <laughs> it's going to be awesome, and the Lord's going to love it. But they go outside the bounds of what's prescribed in the Old Testament, and God kills them, mm-hmm. strikes them dead. Mm-hmm. And the guy who touches the uh, the ark, right, mm-hmm. the ark of the covenant. Mm-hmm. They're moving along. They, of course, they're not traveling correctly. They, they don't right. Have it they on didn't. The, kind of didn't start off on a good foot with no. that one anyway. <laughs> but he's thinking, oh, it's going to fall. I'll reach out and stop it from hitting the ground. Mm-hmm. But he just vi- he just thought that his hand was more holy than the ground, right? And so God strikes him dead. And um, so I think. All of those things in the Old Testament and in the New Testament go to show that God has prescribed a way to do the worship service. And you're you're not allowed to just make it up in the way you think is best. I think that one of the things that I grew up, like the seriousness of God's plan for worship didn't ever cross my mind, that he actually had had a say <laughs> or like uh you know like that god cared that sounds so weird but it, i i just don't i remember like yeah what you know communion take it when the spirit leads you or just those those things just didn't cross my mind that god actually had prescribed what worship should look like. And then when I ran across the regulative principle for the first time, I was like, oh my goodness, where have we have just gone afar? We have gone afar. And I don't know. I just think people just don't, don't believe they, again, can I just use the word pagan again? They believe that they, that whatever moves them is appropriate. Mm Mm-hmm instead of what God has asked of us. Mm-hmm. And that is like, that is um, convicting. Big, yeah, I mean, like you have to go like, whoa, do, am I that person who really doesn't believe that God doesn't prescribe what worship should look like? That I can do whatever I want? That it's all worship to him and therefore honoring if I say so? <gasps> I mean, can you imagine like suddenly realizing that the things you thought you were doing that were so amazing are suddenly not pleasing to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I remember being in high school doing like a drama in the middle of church service for par- as part of the service. 
you feel bad Gosh now. darn. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It is. I, I think there's an arrogance that most of us don't realize, but we think that we're wiser than God because mm-hmm. we think, oh, I have a method of worshiping you. And it makes me feel really good. And it seems to be working objectively. Like those people out there in the congregation, they really are loving this. So it must be worshipful. But you don't get to dictate to God how to how he's to be worshipped. He dictates to you. So, yeah, it's it's powerful. It's uh, it's astounding. So what would you say? Regul- regulatively. Regulative principle. <laughs> regulatively, what would you say? It does, there, are, there are sticking points. So what we're saying is... Right. When you want to order your worship service, you need to look to Scripture to try and figure out how that's to look. And your what your liturgy should look... Every church has a liturgy. That's not just a thing that high churches do. We all have one. An order of service, An order of service. That's all that is. Yeah. Everyone does it. That should be regulated by Scripture. So mm-hmm. you should look to Scripture to try and figure out, here's what the worship service should look like. Am I staying within the bounds that the Scripture has set? Now, there are gray areas in that... They don't all have to look like us. Right. But the substance of the worship service should be the same, right? So there should be... The the word should be preached rightly. There should be the correct administration of the sacraments, you know, prayer and thanksgiving. It's a short list. Right. But those things need to be there. Yeah, and then the way that you do those things can can change from mm-hmm. place to place. Like if you want to have everybody come down for communion and break off a piece of bread, mm-hmm. totally fine. Right, no worries. If you want to pass it out because you're super, you know, hypo. What do you call that when you're a hypochondriac? Germa- oh, hypochondriac. germaphobe is what I was going to say. Germaphobe. <laughs> germaphobe. That's totally fine. Pass yeah. the plate around. You know, yeah. if you want to have individually wrapped communion, which little- are disgusting, by the way. <laughs> Corona communion. <laughs> Coronavirus protected communion. <laughs> that's fine. You know, that's the, that's the to use uh, philosophical language, that's the accident, but the substance is that you're giving out the communion. Right. Um, so. But rightly so. Rightly so. I mean, so like I said earlier, we just went to a church where it was like, take communion when you feel led. So we're in the middle of this really long worship set and and I just suddenly start seeing people walk up to the front of the church grabbing their communion and taking it whenever um that felt not okay to me I think the problem with that is that communion even by definition is something you do together it's not something I do individually it's the same reason I don't take communion at home with myself right you need the (laughs) you need a pastor Who's someone who's ordained, who's had their, um, you know, been ordained by another minister? They need the to, church. That's acknowledged by the church. Yeah, they yeah. need to give out the communion, and it needs to be taken together. Right. So, I mean, I guess what was I? What were we talking about? I was just mentioning that because we were talking about there's there's ways you can do things a little bit differently. Yet that would be to me too far. Right. So that's where I think there is there is some. There's gray area in that the form doesn't always look the same. If I was in Papua New Guinea in a jungle tribe, where worship service probably looks a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Singing would look a little bit different. But the substance of the worship service should still be there and should still be regulated by the word. It shouldn't be Mm willy-nilly. So we have singing, prayer, preaching of the word, rightly ordered sacraments, 
Am I missing anything? That's I think that's it. pretty that's much it. it. Okay. Someone's going to so, hit us so there. <laughs> There's probably a longer list. <laughs> so we would say, um, we wouldn't say worship glitter falling from the ceiling. <laughs> worship drama is ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed, but unfortunately I repent from that misunderstanding, you know, yeah, there, naivete, there sh- I suppose. There shouldn't be anything that draws undue attention to an individual. Right. Right? Like doing dramatic arts or something or running around with a flag, you know, can be inappropriate because that's all about you at that moment. Right. And you're not benefiting anybody else. There's no gospel presentation. It's just you feel like getting a little frantic. There's no reason to do that in the worship service. We, um, so ultimately, well... I was going to tell the story about a church that we attended, the same one with the communion. Their worship was two, two of a three-hour service. It was a very, very long service. and um, The music was two of the three hours? Yeah. It was like an hour before, maybe, like a, maybe it wasn't three hours. It was like a 30-minute message, maybe less, and then another hour of worship. Um, the thing is that, when you are, I totally get it. That's, that's where I wanted to go with it. It's like, I, we're in this worship service and the person that was singing was amazing. She had this gorgeous voice. They did sing some really beautiful songs. Some of them were a little ridiculous, but some of them were beautiful. And it was like, wow, this is quite the experience, you know? And then I'm sitting there thinking, I get why people want this. Like, I get it. I get why you sit there and want to be enveloped by this beautiful woman's voice and this music that is incredible and the lights that are low. And yet you're sitting there like thinking about yourself the entire time. You know, you're thinking about, wow, her voice is amazing. And wow, this, this, that, and the other and like, but I get it's, I, I guess, you know, I just want to say, I understand why we all long for that. It's just that it's unreliable. That's not the truth of what scripture is teaching us and is that it's some ex- experience. And then at the same time, if it's not God honoring, and, and by that I mean that the Son is the focus, that Jesus Christ is the focus of all of the things. And we could get into lyrics and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that you can go there. But if even for a second your eyes are off the cross and the work of Jesus, I should say even more, the redemption, you know, the resurrection and all of that, then you we've we've lost our way across the line. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing that we could bring up is the category of common grace, because I think a lot of Christians are either unfamiliar with that or they don't acknowledge it. So like, it's Mm. okay to love good singing. Yeah. We're not here saying you should be a cold, dry believer or that your, your personality should be cold and dry. Like you can go watch a Mumford and Sons concert or go see sticks (laughs) and enjoy Talk about six and like Mumford. 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 Yeah, that's a little more our generation. <laughs> yes. People know that reference, but um, like it's totally okay for you to go to enjoy the skill that they have because that's a gift from God and it glorifies Him 
right? The, yeah. there's, there's common grace. You can go and look at beautiful art, although I have no eye for art. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell the Mona Lisa from like a stick figure. Oh, how sad. Yeah, I get nothing from it. Oh my gosh. Okay. But, but if that's like, if that is something that you like to do, that's great. So we're not saying that, but we're saying within the context mm, of a worship that's a service, good point. Yep. Mm-hmm. we're not now in the category of common grace. This is, this is God's this is, house, right. and He has dictated how He's going to have this um, ordered. Right. That's a good point because you can still have beautiful singing. Um, we can enjoy Mumford just for the fact that they're a talented group and enjoy them. And it's not a sin <laughs> to enjoy them. Mm-hmm. But we wouldn't ask Mumford to come in and do worship at the church because that's not that's not what it's about. No. On that Sunday in that time. I think I think what happens or what can happen with people is that because they don't ever have the opportunity to go, they feel guilty if they went to a Mumford and Sons right, concert. Because you feel like you're sinning. They make up for it with yeah. let's have the the best, you know, the best band we can possibly have in our church worship service. Mm. And so for people that say that to me, they're like, I just wish the music was better. I always want to be like, just go to a dang concert. <laughs> just go listen to better music. Like, like <laughs> Christian music is usually bad anyway. Just, yeah. They're not great performers. <laughs> Just go listen to something secular that you enjoy. Right. It's not a sin necessarily to go listen to that. Yeah. I suppose it could be in certain circumstances. Right. But, um, yeah, so if you're looking for that performance, just go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Go watch a play. Go, right. Go to an opera. Yeah. Like, But this is the worship service, and it's supposed to look different. Right. Mm, I like that. That's really good. Um, is there anything else? I'm trying to think of it if I feel angry about, I just was so like drawn by that pagan. It really convicted me. It also felt like it touched on a nerve that like, we're just trying to manipulate the system. And as much as we want to say, we're not, we are, Yeah. we are, we absolutely are. I would tell you on Sunday, I, t- I shared this with you on, on Sunday, but I'm not going to go into it because we'll, we can chat about this at another time. But, you know, I really came to church on Sunday like needing to hear the word. Like I, ne- I was in such a bad place that I was like, I just need to hear the word. I need to hear the truth spoken. I need, I need to hear that, that God is ruling over this mess that is happening and to once again reaffirm that um that god is good and he's trustworthy and faithful like i need to hear those things this week and so like if that's not what you're getting and you're just getting some like calgon take me away for 15 minutes i mean it just it's no balm for the soul yeah maybe people are Maybe they're compensating for the fact that there is no gospel in their worship service. Yeah. If you're not hearing it, if you're not getting the, the, the sacraments and, and knowing what that means, if you're not hearing the gospel in the sermon, the sermon, then yeah. it's like the only thing left that I have is this music because mm. everything else is law. Mm. All I'm being given is here's how to apply, you know, here's 10 steps to live a better life, yeah. 10 steps to be a better husband. It's like, I don't want to hear that. I already know I'm a crappy husband. Right. I, already, I can look <laughs> up online for the 10 steps for how to be a better husband. Sure. What I need when I come to the service is the gospel. Mm-hmm. I need to hear that. 
I need to be convicted of my sin, repent and look to Christ. So if you're not getting that, then there's nothing left. Right. So I think the only thing people hold on to is, well, the music was really good today. Mm. So I felt good Maybe about it. Maybe my pagan is a little too hard, a little too hard. I think things, you know, the we could say the road to paganism is <laughs> marked by, you know, good intentions. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, it can happen to anybody where you you fashion God after your own image mm-hmm. and you make an idol and that's paganism or mm-hmm. you try and manipulate God in some way right. to get something from him. Yeah. So I don't think everyone's doing that intentionally. They no. might just like good music and, and they think this is the place to come and get it. Right. And then maybe all they need is to change the way they're thinking a little bit. Yeah. Well, with yeah. all of that said, we want to thank you listeners for tuning in to Cage Stage and we hope that uh, either your rage has increased a little <laughs> bit or that um, it's come down and you can get out of the cage now. Mm-hmm. So thanks very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.